So I did the, the intro before. So what we're doing today, and I've kind of touched on it a couple of times, and, and Beth's probably heard it like a thousand times because that's usually how I work. But I got this book that I've actually had it for at least over a year where, you know, I started trying to do that self-help stuff. And did, have you ever seen, you know, way back in the day of brick-and-mortar bookstores? I used to love Borders and Barnes and & Noble. Barnes & Noble's still going. Yeah, Barnes & Noble's still out there. I know, we used to go to Borders all the time. They got so much pornography in Barnes & Noble. Like, it's it's beautiful. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it might, honestly, can tell you. Say, I liked Barnes & Noble better because they had more books. Borders had, you know, the movies, the music, that's, the that's coffee why, shop. This was like, what, 12 years ago? Well, now Barnes & Noble has coffee shop, but... Well, they have the Starbucks. Yeah. And they have um, music and movies, but that's what I like. Borders, they used to have such an extensive catalog. I, I got a lot of crazy or, like very obscure underground quote-unquote underground hip-hop and rap and rock from there because mm-hmm. i sit there and dumb and like look at this fucking cover that's fucking weird and then you know like what section is in rock and then maybe or somewhere on the radio or in the magazine i saw like hey it has you know chino moreno from deftones like it's got to be good and it's like <laughs> they listen to it like three weeks later as i'm you know on some drug and i'm like that sounds like the guy from from deftones and then he's like like three days later he's like that is the guy from deftones and then it's like <laughs> You know, a year later, it's like, oh, there's a new Deftones. And then I, I remember that. Anyway, so that's, like, I would f- discover so much stuff. And a lot of um, books there, too. My sister bought a lot of, like, Ozzy's uh, book and, mm-hmm. the, um, not doc- autobiographies. And, and, of course, I can't sit still enough to read them. But, so there's a lot of cool stuff. And, and games, they have, like, video games. Or not video games. Well, I think video games, but board games. Not kind of, yeah, like, goofy games, shit. Yeah. Barnes & Noble has that there, so I'll be, like, I'll be going through Barnes & Noble, and, you know, I'll find, like, a toy for my nephew and stuff. Yeah, I remember when Barnes & Noble first opened in Fresno. It was over on the corner of Shaw and Blackstone. And it's, I think it's a furniture store now, but I remember thinking mm. that was so cool. It's like, wow, a two-story bookstore? Oh, like, yeah. so many books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just getting like, can we go? Can we go? And you were, like, 25 at that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are like... <laughs> I think it was more like 12, but... Oh, okay. <laughs> So well, I didn't know that. So because now it's like in the it's in, River Park. Yeah, in right. the, that area. It's such a bad parking spot. Every time I go there, I, I think I'm gonna get hit. And and plus, it's very uppity. That like, yeah. like I, I'll. I feel bad throwing a... out the trash from my car at the parking lot. That's how like <laughs> like very uppity it is. Like I have a little gum wrapper, and then people just look like a little three year old girl like stroking her little doll with like real human hairs, like eyeing me, like you fucking filthy like peasant. And I'm just like. <laughs> Okay, relax, you know. So, Try to go buy uh, my porn at Barnes & Noble. But. Across the intersection, there's a Joanne's. Fabrics, yeah. Yeah, and I hate going to that one because it's in the same parking lot, a very small parking lot, mm-hmm. with In-N-Out and Chick-fil-A. And they're... They drive- used to have Krispy Kreme there, right? I think so. Years ago, yeah. Yeah, was- but their drive through lines snake <clears throat> through the entire parking lot. Oh, yeah, that's right. So yeah, yeah. if you park and you go in and do your shopping, you come out, you can be blocked for you know, like a half hour because, you know, the drive through line's behind your car now. And, and of course, they're so, you know, they don't want to let anybody they, try they to cut in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, I'm not trying to cut on, in line. I'm trying to go home. I'm trying to just get the hell out of here. Yeah. So we always go to the one out in Clovis because... Joanne? Yeah, Joanne's because well, it's, it's much easier. And it's right, it's kind of the same distance uh, south from Barnes Noble, but why not Michael's? Why don't you like Michael's? Because Michael's... Um, it's kind of worse, huh? It's well, weird. no, it's just... it. They have a little bit of everything. They don't really carry fabric. Oh, Whereas I Joanne is 
mainly a fabric store. But they have a little bit a, a little bit of crafting stuff, but yeah. mostly their fabric. Oh, so if right, you're going yeah. there for crafting supplies like, you know, uh, crochet hooks or yarn or something like that, you know, Michael's is a good pick for you. It's more of a Walmart, huh? It's not a specialty. It's very like it's all crafts, but yeah. you know, they they just have a little bit of everything. And um, whereas Joanne's is mainly a fabric store. So if you're going there for fabric, Joanne's is the place to go. But if you're going there for crafting supplies or art supplies or things like that, you go to Michael's. Yeah, I never yeah, I never thought of that. I always kinda of thought they're like one and the same, you know, like Target and Walmart. Like, oh, they just compete. But I definitely the thing about Michael's because there's such a like a spread out spot. You could totally just like steal to your heart's content. Like I can't tell you how many <laughs> times I filled my pockets, and, and that's how I, you know, I did my wood burning. I did my rock, uh, clean. What is that? Rock tumbler. Tumbling. Yeah, my rock tumbler. I've actually always wanted a rock tumbler, but I was like, the rocks I see around here are like gravel. I don't think it'd be worthwhile. You know what I mean? Yeah. I need to get like I did order for, off eBay years ago, like this this um, jade jewel. Like really? Yeah, like a rough. Like a real jade. Yeah, like a real jade and is all dirty because so it's cheaper that way. But like this is the romantic in me. I, I I swear I thought like about me polishing it and then taking it to like getting it in a certain like personal design to like set into a ring. It's fucking weird. Like I sat there and had this whole dialogue and like all right, step one, order this jade, and that's as far as I got. Like <laughs> it just it didn't progress. By the time I got, I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? And I just, <laughs> spending my money on was i high well, well I, honestly like part of me would probably say in that time period like I, I probably thought i could smoke it or something like i got the rock and i was like this isn't the smoking type and like and this was pretty breaking bad so if you saw the blue meth it was probably like oh green meth is that better or is like tony are you trying to smoke jams again and like yeah bro i do it the the high class and like tony who are you talking to again you know like let me smoke my rock tumbler <laughs> say yeah smoking gems made me think of it Simpsons reference. Nice. Um, Is the one where Homer becomes a paparazzi photographer. Yeah. And like he sees all the, like the, the celebrities thinks they won. They're having just this big party. In a waterfall. And stuff like that. No, that was a Rainier Wolf Castle. Oh, okay. Okay. But they're over at a club and like Krusty's, um, was it Krusty or was it? Probably. He's the Yeah, it's probably Krusty, but he's like blending up a bunch of $100 bills in a blender and he like mixes it with something and drinks it. And he's like, why did I think this taste would taste a lot better than it does? Uh, I think, yeah, I think I remember that. I think I remember. And, but it's a newer episode too. Mm-hmm. Um, no, newer than that, but there's one where, um, I almost said meth, where Marge, talk about Freud and Slit, where Marge um, sells like those, those energy crystals. She buys I didn't a, see that one. It, it's newer, you know. It's you. You uh, watched yeah, it. A I probably weeks ago. haven't watched a new episode in like. Since like two, well, like two thousand eight, and that was like the last year you watched <laughs> one. And this is probably like two thousand fifteen, sixteen. But um, basically, you know, March somehow I can't remember what, but she goes to like a, a store, and the lady's like trying to like liquid liquidate her inventory, and then she's like, I, I, "This part I don't remember too well, but like for twenty bucks, like all right, it's all yours." So March has all these crystals, and everyone's hooked on them. Because they work, they put it under bed to like liven up their the bedroom or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think in one of them, I think is um, I might just have made it up because it seemed like it would make sense. But I think I remember Otto like sm- trying to light up crystal, <laughs> like he shoves a crystal in his mouth and he's sitting to light it. He's like, "Oh man, how do I take this? Do I shoot it or what?" And then he's like, "No, it's just the crystal, whatever." Because uh, there's another one where Otto would where he's saying like, where he's like, "How do I take this drug?" Like, no, he's like, uh, "It's not. A, it's a drug." I can't remember this one. This is but basically said like, okay, but you better inject it between my toes because my mom checks my <laughs> oh, yeah. arms. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I remember that, but I don't remember what it was. Yeah, that's an older one. Yeah. yeah. And so on that note, I don't know what that note, but so we might need light because all of a sudden the sun kind of vanished, but it's kind of hard to see here. Um, also, that's what I'll do. I'll read the intro, and if it's too long-winded, you let me know, and then we'll just cut it out okay. from the show. So basically, it's this book that I, basically, the, um, what I talked about 10 minutes ago, where I bought it years ago because I'm trying to, oh yeah, Barnes & Noble. I was like, yeah, how the fuck how did we, I get there? The Bookstores, you know? Yeah. And then that's why communism is wrong. Okay. okay. So <laughs> it's just this book. I, I do, I have stacks of them of like self-help book. So it's one of those in my moment of need, I bought a book and then I never read it because it's mm-hmm. like, I start reading like, I'm, I'm too fucking manic. I can't sit here and read. Yeah, I'm too depressed to read. I'm too depressed to read, and I read because I'm depressed. <laughs> it's like it's just a never-ending loop. But it's a real cool book by this. Um, I'm going to give her all the credit because, you know, I'm, I'm a cool, nice guy like that. But she wrote a it's actor, uh, actress, uh, writer Jenny Lawson, who wrote this book, Furiously Happy, uh, a funny book about horrible things. And it's the number one New York Times bestseller, so you know it's good quality. Well, every book that's published is the number one New York Times bestseller. Oh, is it? Well, look, they call her the comic queen. Um, there's different praise for it. But yeah. in the inside cover, there's a like a cartoon a raccoon riding a, a, a tabby cat, I think. Yeah. And he's... And and they're and he's living it up, but he, if you look in his eyes, he has that like almost cry for help. The mm-hmm. raccoon is very much like, "I'm fucking dying inside, man," but he's you're furiously happy. And I paraphrase it, and I, I should have prepared it by looking up somewhere. But basically, it's about like um, kind of embracing the madness, almost like kind of making the the best out of thing because. Um, this is a book about embracing everything. Look how good I am on this. That makes us who we are, the beautiful and the flawed, and then using it to find joy in fantastic and outrageous ways. Because as Jenny's mom says, maybe crazy isn't so bad after all. Sometimes crazy is just right. <laughs> I mean, I should end that <laughs> I, on the... I like that. Summarizes it. I'm going to get that tattoo. crazy is just right. I wonder if I could fit that on my knuckles. That's probably the best word. <laughs> Your Honor, does this look like a crazy man just shoving my fist in his face? Like, look, it, sometimes crazy is just right. But so, so I want talk to the hand. It's written on the hand. Yeah, it's written on the hand. <laughs> talk to, and then you know I, I have a little mouth drawn on the bottom. So it's like, hello, Judge. Thanks for talking to me. <laughs> just like the mouth, the hands talking. Do the the yeah the hand yeah do the little like I used to do that as a kid too. And fortunately, I got out of the. Yeah, so I. Fortunately, I grew out of that before I hit puberty. You know what I'm saying? Okay. On that note, moving on. Moving on. So this is halfway through the book. Where basically, this is why why I love this book. So this basically this is gonna be our hack episode because I'm just gonna read. Like that's all I'm doing. But you could get you know, hopefully people will like tune into my sweet sounding sensual voice. Like you are getting. (laughs) No, you got to do like uh, those tapes we found. Patrick Stewart reading Charles Dickens. You got to talk with a very proper very posh accent. very posh accent and like the furiousness wait that, that sounds terrifying. more like uh sean connery <laughs> awesome you know what sean connery's been retired i'm gonna do sean connery because i could actually do him a lot better how about sean connery doing christopher walking i bet people would love that but I, i'll stick to sean connery because sean connery is just the man although he does agree or he his um one of his um my or Points of view is to like sometimes you have to smack a woman to get her in line. It's like, um, Sean, no, please no. And he played James Bond in case you people are not sure who mm. Sean Connery is. But Sean, I'll, for, I'll read for the, those people out there that think that Sean Connery is just a character on Celebrity Jeopardy on SNL. Oh yeah, no, he's he's kind of a dangerous <laughs> dude. But he quit acting because of a the, the terrible the League of Extra Horny Gentlemen. 
sexual extraordinary mm-hmm. gentleman. But I watched the adult version. You gotta watch the adult version to whenever you see like a bad movie. I highly suggest you watch the adult version because if the adult version is better or you like it more, then yeah, it's a terrible movie. You know, it's just a <laughs> just a, just an idea. Anyway, so Sean Connery is gonna read this chapter. I'll read the intro. So, so what we're doing is she wrote an interview. Um, I think she explains it here too. And yeah, twelve minutes in, she wrote this interview and basically for herself because she hates interviews. And um, she's married to her, her, I mean, his name's in the book, so I'm not going to uh, block it, but his name's Victor. And, you know, he's, quote, unquote, the sane one. And so she's, <laughs> she's, uh, she's the one that keeps him grounded. And so, like, in this in this sort of role, that's what we do, a nice role reversal where I'm totally more of, like, the, the you know, um, manic that she is. And, and Beth is, like, the voice of reason. And not, like, a jokingly voice of reason, more like... She's just not way out there, you know. She she likes Disney. I'm out there, but I'm not way out there. Yeah, she's sitting there. She's out there, like, to the end of the patio, but not, like, to across the road trying to, like, to dodge traffic like I am, you know. Mm-hmm. She's one of the, like, she'll have her coffee mug. She gets to the porch, and she's like, ah, that's about enough. And then she retreats. Good. She goes back to Disney and, and Zelda mm-hmm. and early Simpsons and Weird Al, like a normal person, whereas I'm over there trying to dodge traffic and try to see, like, how many uh, mirrors I could snatch off before I get, like, you know, pummeled by by traffic anyway so sean connery reads appendix because the s is right that's the joke like (laughs) correct me if i'm wrong well yeah you got to shush them all the time but i can't do it my voice is already hurting just do it you know let me do the intro i'll do the intro in sean connery so sean connery interviewing um jenny Jenny lawson which is like um which is going to be played by me um being interviewed by uh victor slash beth which is a voice of reason. And she has very little to read, so that's why Beth's glad with this. All right, so Sean Connery introduces Appendix, an interview with the author. I don't know. He's <laughs> just right. do your normal voice. <laughs> I just got through one. What I want you to know, dying is easy, comedy is hard, clinical depression is no fucking picnic. That's totally a Sean Connery thing. He would say no mm-hmm. fucking picnic. All right. <laughs> All right let's, get in, let's get into it, people. When my last book came out, so obviously I didn't write a book. I mean, I'm not going to break into anything, but just, mm-hmm. again, again, for everybody who skipped the first 15 minutes thinking this is when I get the, the story, like, like nailed down. The meat and potatoes of the episode. The meat and potatoes. Um, when my last book came out, I spent a lot of time avoiding people who wanted to interview me because I was afraid I'd say something wrong or because I couldn't find pants. I decided that this time around, I just include an entire section with questions and answers, which you can use if you have a story due or need a quote. This seems like an odd use of a chapter, but it's nice because there are always things that you don't get around to writing about and apologies that need to be made, and all of that fits in here. I realize that it's weird that this appendix is in the middle of the book instead of at the end where appendixes are supposed to be, but it works better here, and technically, your appendix is in the middle of your body, so it sort of makes sense. Probably God had the same issue when Adam was like, I don't want to be to sound ungrateful, but it sort of hurts when I walk. Is that normal? Is this thing on my foot a tumor? And God was like, it's not a tumor. That's your appendix. Appendixes go at the end. Read a book, dude. Then Adam was like, really? Because I don't want to second guess you, but it seemed like a design flaw. Also, that snake in the garden told me it just, it doesn't even do anything. And God shook his head and muttered, Jesus, that fucking snake is like TMZ. And then Adam was like, who's Jesus? And God said, no one yet. It's just an idea I'm throwing around. And then God zapped Adam's <laughs> appendix off his foot and stuck it in, a pan- in Adam's midsection. Instead in K- in- Sorry. And then God zapped Adam's appendix off his foot and stuck it in Adam's midsection. Instead in case... Oh, sorry. Instead 
in case okay it makes sense all right i'm gonna have to edit this out because i look like a tool <laughs> <laughs> instead in case he decided to use it later but the next day adam probably asked for a girlfriend and god was like it's gonna cost you a rib and adam was all don't i need those can't you just make her out of my appendix and the snake popped out in his seriously why are you so attached to this appendix idea don't those things occasionally explode for no reason whatsoever and god was like this is none of your business jefferson i'm starting to question why i even made you and adam was like wait what they explode and god was all i'm not negotiating with you adam and that's why appendixes go in the middle and should probably be removed <laughs> i've asked victor to play the role of interviewer because no one else is here except the cats who are crap at sticking to the subject in his parentheses victor is the one in bold who is not entirely happy about being dragged into this i'm the one not in bold who isn't wearing pants <laughs> So just to clarify, Beth is the one. I, I am bold. wearing pants. Yeah, and and Tony is yes, too. <laughs> I'm not in bold, but I'm wearing pants. Okay. There we go. All right. We good? Yeah, we good. Okay. It's probably the levels are going to be different, which is that's the way I do it. Okay. Just got to watch my crotch. Um, <laughs> to reiterate, I am wearing pants. All right. So you read your part, right? Yeah. Why am I here? Yeah, pretty close. Why am I even doing here? Yeah. You are pretending to be a reporter for prestigious publications. I need you to ask me interview questions so that other people can steal these quotes when I'm too tired, weird, I'm too weird to talk to them. I have no idea what you want from me. This is like still as clumsy, but here we go. Um, luckily, I'm here to help. Start with a compliment. Something about my hair, maybe. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> okay. Is this your real hair? some of it but it's rude to ask that <laughs> oh sorry it's fine i forgive you just remember this act of kindness when you review my book also remember the word revolutionary and the phrase buy a dozen copies for everyone you know why would i review your book i'm your husband uh you're supposed to be a reporter my god you are terrible at role playing fine it seems like <laughs> well sorry yeah my phone just flipped on me oh Fine, it seems like by this point in a book about depression, you would have explained what depression is. Uh, it's hard to define. Well, this this is a book, so maybe try. Fine. All right. Depression is like, it's like when you meticulously scroll up through hundreds of pages in a Word document to find a specific paragraph you need to fix, and then you try to type it. To type, but it automatically takes you right back down to the bottom because you forgot to place your cursor where you wanted to type. And then you bang your head against the desk because you just totally lost your place. And then your boss walks in while you have your head planted on your desk and you see her shoes behind you. So you immediately say, I'm not sleeping. I was just banging my head against the desk because I fucked something up. Hmm. Uh, wait, no, that's not it. Uh, depression is like... When you don't have any scissors to cut that thick plastic safety tie off the new scissors that you just bought because you couldn't find your scissors. And then you just say, fuck it, and try everything else in the world to get that scissors to open. But all you have are plastic butter knives, and they aren't doing anything. So you stand in the kitchen holding scissors that you can't use because you can't find scissors. And then you get frustrated and throw the scissors in the garbage disposal and sleep on the couch for a week. And that's what depression is like. So... Uh, no, hang on. Depression is like when you don't want cheese anymore, even though it's cheese. I want to be helpful, but I don't know if that means that I should ask you to elaborate or tell you to stop elaborating. 
<laughs> okay, let me rephrase. Sometimes being crazy is a demon, and sometimes that demon is me. Um, and I visit quiet sidewalks and loud parties and dark movies, and a small demon looks out at the world with me. Sometimes it sleeps, sometimes it plays. Sometimes it laughs with me, sometimes it tries to kill me, but it's always with me. I suppose we're all possessed in some way. Some of us with dependence on pills or wine. Others through sex or gambling. Some of us through self-destruction or anger or fear. And some of us just carry around our tiny demon as he wrecks havoc in our mind, tearing open old dusty trunks of bad memories and leaving the remnants spread everywhere. Wearing the skins of people we've hurt. Wearing the skins of people we've loved. And sometimes, when it's worse, wearing our skins. These times are the hardest. When you can see yourself confined to your bed because you have no strength or will to leave. When you find yourself yelling at someone you love because they want to help but can't. When you wake up in a gutter after trying to drink or smoke or dance away the ache or the lack thereof. Those times when you are more demon than you are you. I don't always believe in God, but I believe in demons. My psychiatrist always says, but if you believe in there are demons, then it follows that there could be a God. It's like believing in doors but not in cyclopses. I consider pointing out that I've met several dwarves in my life and almost no cyclopses, but I get what the, she's saying. There can't be dark without light. There can't be a devil without the God who created him. There can't be good without bad. And there can't be me without my demon. I think I'm okay with that. Or maybe it's my demon that is. It's hard to tell. My psychiatrist told me that when things get rough, I should consider my battle with mental illness as if I were exorcising a demon. But I was like, well, no wonder I'm feeling so miserably. I'm shit at exercising. Then she <laughs> called me out for deflecting with humor and explained, you're exorcising a demon. It's not something you can do alone. Some people do it with the priest and holy water. Some do it with faith. Some do it with chemicals and therapy. No matter what, it's hard. And usually people end up with vomit on them, I replied. I'm seeing more of a connection. I wonder if I'm the priest in this scenario. I hope not because he almost always dies just when he thinks everything is fine. This analogy is starting to creep me out. You're doing, Beth, what are you, you still all right? You don't got no question, nothing? No, I'm okay. good. Uh, did you just break into an essay in the middle of the interview? Um, I did. Uh, sorry. But you're the interviewer, so technically it's your fault for not reining me in. Sure. Blame the victim. I don't have depression, but I've seen you struggle with it. What advice do you have for people who are currently looking for help? Every mental illness is different because every person is different. There aren't any easy cures, but there are so many tools available now that people are finally starting to talk about it. You have to figure out how to survive depression, which is really not easy because when you're depressed, you're more exhausted than you've ever been in your life and your brain is lying to you and you feel unworthy of the time and energy, which you often don't even have, needed to get help. That's why you have to rely on friends and family and strangers to help you when you can't help yourself. Lots of people think that they're from a failure if their first or second or eighth cure for depression or anxiety doesn't work the way they want it. But an illness is an illness. It's not your fault if the medication or therapy you're given to treat your mental illness doesn't work perfectly or it worked for a while but then stopped working. You aren't a math problem. You're a person. What works for you won't always work for me and vice versa. But I do believe that there's a treatment out there for everyone if you give yourself the time and patience to find it. Additionally, additionally, psychiatrists are always changing shit, so even they don't know exactly what's going on. A mental disorder might be reclassified into a phobia. A phobia might be reclassified as a disorder. In fact, I asked my shrink to read this book and fix everything that's now outdated, but it'll just be outdated again next week when the big book of crazy is updated again. She agreed that it's hard to keep up with, with it all, but pointed out that it's called the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. 
In my defense, I'm bored with that name, and I think they'd sell more copies if they use my title. Or maybe Game of Thrones Part 14. <laughs> Here's what I find helpful. Sunlight, antidepressants, and anti-anxiety drugs, vitamin B shots, walking, letting myself be depressed when I need to be, drinking water, watching Doctor Who, reading, telling my husband when I need someone to watch me, making a mixtape of songs that make me feel better, and not allowing myself to listen to the stuff I want to listen to, but that I know will make me worse. I talk to people on Twitter when I'm afraid to be out in the world. When I can't be an active mom, I snuggle with my daughter and watch TV with her or ask her to read to me. I replace the moments when I feel I shouldn't be at a PTA meeting with the memory I hope she'll treasure of us hiding under a blanket fort with the cats. I remind myself that depression lies and that I can't trust my own critical judgment when I'm sick. And if things get really bad, I call the suicide hotline. I'm not suicidal, but I've called several times before to be talked down from hurting myself. They help. They listen. They've been there. They give advice. They tell you that you aren't crazy. Or sometimes they tell you that you are crazy, but in a good way. A way that makes you special. Okay. What doesn't help when you're depressed? Everyone is different, so the best thing you can do is to ask the person you're dealing with what they need. I mean, that should be highlighted, by the way. That might be the title of the show. That's pretty good. Um, like, some people prescribe God for depression or self-harm, and I think that can be really helpful for people who aren't me. Some claim that depression can be prayed away or is caused when you don't have enough God in your life. I tried God once, but it didn't work well, so I cut the dose by a third and just had go. Go where? I asked. No one answered. Probably because I didn't have enough God in my life. Somebody else told me that cap capitulating to my depression made me seem ungrateful because Jesus died so that I wouldn't have to suffer. But frankly, Jesus seemed to have more than his fair share of bullshit in his life too. That guy got nailed to death. I bet people walking past Jesus were like, wow, that guy should have more God in his life. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they just sent him those emails that say, let go and let God or God okay. listens to Nemo. Probably not enough because email wasn't popular yet. But I think that's for the best because there is nothing more annoying than having someone tell you that everything would be fine if you were just a better prayer. Or if you just smiled more or stopped drinking Diet Coke. I can tell you that Just Cheer Up is almost universally looked at as the most unhelpful depression cure ever. It's pretty much the equivalent of telling someone who just had their legs amputated to just walk it off. Some people don't understand that for a lot of us, mental illness is a severe chemical imbalance rather than just having a case of the Mondays. Oh, man. God, I wrote these. I must have written in a former life. Yeah. Those same well-meaning people will tell me that I'm keeping myself from recovering because I really just need to cheer up and smile. That's why I consider chopping off their arms and then blaming them for not picking up their severed arms so they can take them to the hospital to get reattached. Just pick them up and take them to get fixed. It's not that hard, Sarah. <laughs> I pick up stuff all the time. We all do. No, I'm not going to help you because you have to learn to do this for yourself. I won't always be around to help you, you know. I'm sure you could do it if you just try. Honestly, it's like you don't even want to have arms. Granted, it's not a perfect analogy because you don't usually lose your arms due to involuntary chemical imbalances. Except that if I cut off your arms because of my mental illness, then technically a chemical imbalance did lead to your arms falling off. So it's dangerous for everyone. I guess my point here is that we all suffer from mental illness if it is not when mental illness is not taken seriously. I need to look at the book for the next one. Well, I guess my point here is that we all suffer when mental illness is not taken seriously. How do you deal with people who don't understand depression? There. That's a good pause, too, because it's almost like, yeah, it's that's how I feel a lot of times, too. Sometimes people say, how can you feel bad for yourself when people are starving in Greenland? And I'm like, 
I don't know, talent. And you can't win because you're given the same guilt when you feel good. How can you laugh when people are starving in Greenland? Again, I don't know. I don't ask starving people in Greenland how they can laugh when people in Sweden are cancerous and missing hands. I don't know if that's right about Sweden or Greenland. I don't keep up with geography. Mark should let <laughs> uh, The point is sometimes shitty things happen and sometimes they don't. My rule is enjoy the non-shitty things now because shitty things are coming and vice versa. This is just basic life 101. Your family member is sick. Your dog needs to go out. You find a lump. People tell you to stop eating gluten. That stuff never stops. So go with the flow and don't apologize for starving people. Unless you're the one starving people, then you should totally apologize. Right. Apologize if you're starving someone. This is all good stuff. Right? Oh, I need you to ask me the question on this card because I'm sure it'll be pertinent. Okay. This seems fairly unethical, but whatever. A lot of people have been critical about this book because of fill in the blank with whatever people are currently mad at me about. What's your response? That is an excellent question. Well, you wrote it. Uh, fair enough. Uh, but back to the question. First of all, I apologize for the thing I did. It was incredibly stupid and I was young and probably drugged. This seems a bit inauthentic since I don't know precisely what you're referring to, but I can assure you that there's at least one thing in this book I will think is ridiculously awful within a few years. This is a real issue that I struggle with. It's tempting to start each sentence with an apology or disclaimer. To, pre to preface it, everything with, in my life i found, so that people can't yell at me for being wrong, I often am, or misinformed, sure, or overly emotional, how dare you? <laughs> but this is a book about my life, so I have to simply hope that unsaid disclaimer is just implied. This is my life and my observations of it, and they change as I change. That's one of the frightening things about writing a book that no one ever tells you. You have to pin down your thoughts and opinions, and then they exist on a page ungrowing forever. I'm going to do the little forever. Forever. <laughs> You may convince yourself that you were never stupid or coarse or ignorant, but one day you reread your seventh grade diary and rediscover the person who one day becomes you, and you vacillate between wanting to hug this unfinished, confused stranger and wanting to shake some damn sense into him or her. It, she put it in her, obviously. Mm -hmm. In fact, if you read this book and hated something I wrote, chances are I probably hate it too. Like my grandmother always said, your opinions are valid and important. Unless it's some stupid bullshit you're being shitty about, in which case you can just go fuck yourself. I'm pretty sure neither of your grandmothers ever said that. Uh, well, I'm paraphrasing, but but still. Someone once said that if you make something no one hates, no one will ever love it either, and that's true. The same goes for art, writing, and people, especially people. In fact, most of my favorite people are dangerously fucked up, but you'd never guess it because we've either... We've either become adept at hiding it or we've learned to bear it so honestly that it becomes the new normal. There's a quote from The Breakfast Club that goes, We're all pretty bizarre. Some of us are just better at hiding it. I have it on a poster, but I took a sharpie to it and scratched out the word hiding because it reminds me that there's a certain pride and freedom that comes from wearing your unique bizarreness like a badge of honor. None of us are immune to feelings of failure. Brene Brown has been my friend for more years than I can count and she's violently successful. She's a PhD who hangs out with Oprah and writes best-selling books about authenticity and vulnerability and being daring. She's the very definition of having your shit together. But I know that I can call her up at midnight and say, I'm super scared that I'm fucking everything up. And she'll say, same here. There's a lot of that going around. What's wrong with us? 
then we'll talk it out and in the end we'll feel better that we both feel shitty because we each respect the other and if we both feel like failures then all bets are off and probably everyone feels like this then i tell Brene that her fear of failure is a good thing because no one can write helpful books about honest emotions if they're per- already perfect so technically feeling fucked up is just the first step to her next bestseller then she reminds me that my entire livelihood is based on my mortifying on my mortifying myself so if i suddenly got sane i'd become unemployed she's right but i'm still afraid that i'm writing something awful in this book so i've decided that i will intentionally make a mistake in here on purpose just be prepared and now i can relax because if i fuck something up i can just explain that 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 was my intentional mistake and 10 points to you for finding it Brene says this is a fine idea so technically i think that means i can intentionally fuck shit up as prescribed by a doctor (laughs) that's weird you sound paranoid you only think it's weird because you've never accidentally written something offensive i write intentionally offensive stuff all the time and i'm prepared to take the heat on that but i'm always afraid of writing or saying something that i have no clue is awful like one time i wrote that a friend had welched on a bet and spell check was like that's not a word did you mean to say welsh and i was like jesus spell check that's a bit racist isn't it I write about someone not paying their debt, and you're all, I I bet it was the Welsh. Sort yourself out, spell check. So then I looked up, it up online and read that the suspected origin of the phrase Welsh on a bet is an offensive dis, dis, disparagement on account of the alleged dishonesty of the Welsh. I didn't even know that was a thing. It's like when little kids would say, my sister got a bigger piece of pie, so now I feel gypped. When I got older, I found out gyp is a derogatory term for gypsy, so I nipped that in the bud. But the best replacement the dictionary offered was flimflam. And it just sounds ridiculous to say, your dessert is bigger. I feel flimflammed. No one is taking that con- complaint seriously. Instead, I just end up feeling bitter about pie and saying nothing. And also now I'm worried that the word flimflam is somehow offensive to the Flemish. <laughs> You've overthought this. <laughs> well, I have an anxiety disorder. This is what it's like in my head all the time. Oh, man. That, I mean, <laughs> I point to my head for emphasis, and this is like for, for real. Like, as soon as I go to sleep, that's how I feel. All right, we're almost done. I'm also worried that writing about struggling with my weight is going to piss people off because society is already overly focused on appearance, and I'm not helping by take, talking about how I feel fat sometimes. And I also worry that I might get skinny accidentally, and then people who see me on tour will be pissed because they won't realize that my weight fluctuates by 60 pounds depending on how sick, tired, or depressed I am. And I have to carry around unflattering pictures of me as evidence and bring affidavits from my doctor who continually tells me I need to lose weight until I get incredibly sick or too depressed to eat for a week. And then he's like, you look great, but why are you in the ER again? I'm sensitive about my weight, but overall, I love who I am, and I prefer my curves because when I'm fatter, my wrinkles disappear. No one <laughs> no one ever tells you that, but when you're older and you suddenly get skinny, you also suddenly age five years because your fat isn't filling out all your wrinkles anymore. I sometimes get hassled for using the term fat, but I also use the term crazy to describe myself, and I'm fine with that because I'm taking those words back. I'm also taking sexy back because, frankly, Justin Timberlake has had it too long, and he doesn't even need it. And I'm taking flustered, frustrated because that's not a real word. Stop using it. Long story short, I am often crazy and sometimes overweight. It's not always a deal, but it makes me who I am, literally. Plus, I won't have to feel bad for eating too many egg rolls because if I suddenly get skinny, that's going to be hard to explain. That's why I had cheesecake last night, because it's part of my craft. Is there ever a line you don't cross in your writing? Um, I'm relatively filterless, but I do have boundaries. When my last book came out, everyone I wrote about got to read it before it went to press, and they were all given full permission to take out anything they wanted. 
to their great credit, they were cool with everything, and in fact, were the first people to say, hey, I have pictures of your dad's armadillo racing championship ring and of the pet raccoons wearing shorts that lived in our house. Do you want those? I do have boundaries. I don't tell stories that I think a mean 14-year-old girl could use against Haley one day. I think that's her daughter. Yeah. Uh, I don't write about anything I'm currently fighting with someone about or anything where I'm not the biggest butt of the joke. There are a lot of stories that I don't write because they aren't mine to tell, but I think telling my stories helps to encourage putting other stories out there. When I first started writing, my father was very quiet about his own struggles, but after seeing the response of people who've read my stories, he's much more open, and that's a wonderful thing. When we share our struggles, we let others know it's okay to share theirs, and suddenly we realize that the things we were ashamed of are the same things everyone deals with at one time or another. We are so much less alone than we think. Do you ever worry you're going to pass on your mental illness to Haley? I used to worry, but she's 10 now, and I can see that she doesn't have the same anxiety issues I had at her age. It's possible she'll struggle with mental illness, and if so, I'll try to understand and probably fail and try again until I get it right. It would almost be easier if she had the same issues I have because I could help her and teach her the tools I've learned, but she's who she was born to be. My sister and I were raised exactly the same way, and we could not be more different. One of her daughters is more like me, and my daughter's more like her. It's baffling for all of us, but it's not our fault. We're born the way we are. One of the best things you can do as a parent is to realize that your child is nothing like you and everything like you. You get asked to do a lot of speaking and TV. Do you feel famous? I just cleaned up cat vomit. I feel queasy. <laughs> Let me rephrase. Does it feel like everyone wants a piece of you? Like they're pissed and want to fight me? What? You mean like, hey asshole, you want a piece of me? No, not like that at all. Or do you mean they literally want a piece of me, like they need my kidneys, or they just want to dismember me, because that still seems like people are mad at me. You don't usually want to dismember people you like. I think you've confused famous with despised. I meant like in a metaphoric piece of you. Oh, uh, right. Sorry. These questions are making me paranoid, and then I get defensive. Yeah, I can see that. What the hell does that mean? You want a piece of me? And now I, now I see why you don't do interviews. Honestly, I'm doing it for the good of humanity. Someone should get me a medal. I can't think of any more questions. I can't think of any more answers. We make a good team. Amen, Mr. <laughs> Sister, whatever. <laughs> and scene. 21 minutes. That was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I forgot that I left some of those. So overall, oh, I, I lost my place in the book. Now I'm panicking. No, no. I, I'm out front. It was like page 130-something we oh. were on. So it was the 30s. Oh, here we go. Here's the interview. It's longer than I thought, but we ran through it pretty good. Mm-hmm. All right. you're a good out loud reader i can't read that good out loud really <laughs> yeah i oh. can read pretty good you know in my head obviously you know most people can but yeah. like once like if i've gotten better about it since lily was born but if i'm reading to her i have to stop every now and then catch, let my mind catch up to what the words i just said well i don't know if for me like it definitely helped because i already read this yesterday mm -hmm. but i get into the story because like when i read to lj there's a lot of times where if it's a, a story I, I didn't know, I sit there and, like, become in, enthralled by it. You know, like, holy crap, like, he surprised me. You know, like, <laughs> like I, I, because a lot of times he's dozing off, so he doesn't care. But I get all into, like, one of my favorite <laughs> ones to read is a, a Dr. Seuss book. And it's like a tongue twister. And so, like, mm -hmm. uh, um, I was just thinking about this, like, this morning, actually. Like, there's a guy where, like, uh, he works at a um, museum, and he has a, a fossil skeleton. And his job is to put, like, pins in the shins. So it's like, <laughs> and the name is Blin. He's like, Blin put shin, put pins and shins in the, and it's, so I read it, but the way. Is I, it I, uh, Fox and Socks? 
No, no, it's yeah. it's it's way more intricate. Like oh, I gotta wow. show it to you. Like <laughs> I showed you that picture, but like I forgot it was. But that like oh oh the fox or something or no, it's like somebody was balancing something, like brothers, and they're all balancing on one person or something. Like yeah, that. because it, it goes like um. The, the brother at the bottom is like the youngest one, and mm-hmm. so like you say all their names, and they all sound the same. So it's, you know, it, it fits into like my sort of rhyming scheme. Like it's fun to say. So like I'm saying it, and in my head I'm hearing a beat. Like is so I'm just reading it to him, but to, you know, to anybody else it sounds like I'm doing a little But it, like in my head it sounds like a like a rap battle. You know, it's kind of <laughs> funny. So, but I that's the why like, I'm I'm LG's music teacher because I'm trying to tap into like the rhythm of the of of the world. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I mean. You got to think of it from even our you know creative way, but the heartbeat is like one of the like most well known beats. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you're you're in your mom's stomach, you're hearing that shit for nine fucking months. You know, mm-hmm. so you got like dun dunk, dun dunk, dun. Is that's their heartbeat? So like dun, when you get a little arrhythmia, like dun 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 dun. So it, like, it becomes this fucking. And so like I I hear that sometimes. I mean, there's so many times drugged or not, where I'd be sitting there and it's completely quiet, and I could, you could hear that you're like dun dun. And so, like, all of a sudden, I start getting like a, like you get it, it makes bopping. Yeah, it makes you feel alive. And then it's like, like fucking Tony's older rocking out to like, um, you know, nothing music. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, nothing. Well, th- there's a famous phrase. I gotta I always forget it, but it says like, and the people thought he was crazy because they couldn't hear the music. Hmm. It's I paraphrase. I, I, I rock out to the music in my head all the time, so don't feel bad. Well, no, I feel great. So like when, <laughs> so like when, when you're sitting in you know a DMV and there's like ten guys and it's quiet. Well, yeah, and, and then one person starts going like, well, it's nice weather out there. I'm like, go fuck yourself, dude. We all see the fucking weather. Like, do you want to hear you about... You interrupted my song, man. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. Like, dude, have you ever heard of Pantera? Have you heard of their fucking offshoot brand Down? It's very... You know, I, I, I go on rants. So, like, mm-hmm. that's why I like, I like talking to young people. Yeah, I like talking to kids. He has a little fucking Pokemon backpack. Like, hey, who's your favorite Pokemon? And he's like... I like Squirtle. Like, who the f- I don't know who the fuck Squirtle mm-hmm. is. Can you explain to me? And he's like, and he'll sit there and tell me like, that's when you know, because he sits there and gives me these made up. St- he's a fucking liar, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I gotta. Oops, I gotta bleep that out. All right, towards the end of episode, block out um my, my little blog. <laughs> so you're talking about heartbeats and um as music reminded me uh, the other day we were talking about the movie Trolls. Oh yeah, 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 true. Yeah, at the at the end of the second one, like all music gets destroyed, and they think you know there's never going to be any music anymore. Oh my God, that makes me depressed. I know, but Holy um, shit, I'm not watching that fucking movie. <laughs> but one of them, because uh, there there's different genres, yeah. like countries. You know, there's pop, rock, punk, or so funk, e- so, and so each country plays a different genre. Right. Oh, okay. I don't right. Know. Oh, yeah. And so um, world tour, right? Yeah. 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 Someone from the funk. You know, every, everything's quiet. They're like, there's no more music anymore. Everyone's sad and, like, totally depressed and pissed off. And one of them picks up a microphone and puts it to his heart. And the beat starts going through the microphone. And everyone realizes sh- that music's still there. It's in all of us. And it's all magical and happy. And everyone's happy. Oh, my God. I'm tearing up, man. <laughs> we got to end this episode because I'm, I'm the strong silent type. I can't. Like, it's, like, can't. it's so beautiful. Yeah. It's okay. I'll cry for you. You know what? I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna go online on eBay and I'm gonna find us some troll. Oh, you know what? In that picture, my famous picture that I use like for my um, profile, it's like that little ugly troll we found at storage. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. have it somewhere because you put batteries in it, and he makes like a grunt. Like he's he's hideous. Like he he oh he's fiercely happy. Oh, we tied it in. Ah, uh, everything's coming around. Well, I'm sure you know, live <laughs> live on air, so Beth could cry too. But no, I don't like to. Okay, so so now, what's your thoughts on the? I'll let you kind of finish on thoughts on the story, though. 
the interview yeah is is i like i mean it's obvious that you know she has a lot of problems but the way she's able to laugh about it yeah you know some people are able to do that some people can't but um i call it embrace the madness embrace the madness yeah she's you know dealt with it for a while and she's obviously got you know some deep pains but she's still able to poke fun at it i guess yeah like make not not even like make light of it but just able to sort of quantify that's like to me what i why i really wanted to read that so badly is because through her words it almost makes you at least not necessarily completely understand where i'm coming from but like oh okay so like it makes sense you know it mm-hmm. makes sense like even in rant you know i'm like manic depressive like look at that's my profile photo on that instagram remember that oh yeah yeah i remember that thing uh, I, I like it and, <laughs> and it's funny because nobody commented but it, i'm sitting there writing to people like hey i love your show and it's like they see that picture like it's he's wearing like co- of overalls, overalls over one yeah. shoulder i gotta find that doll and it's a troll doll um <laughs> so good hopefully we could read more of the book to be honest that'd be dope um but yeah that See, was it's really funny though like there were a couple times i laughed just what she said well i don't even know yeah that's that was great that you hadn't read it. i kind of feel like were you reading ahead of me like when i was reading just a little bit just so to? i could be prepared oh to know that when to, i'm gonna cut out and yeah stuff? when you're gonna yeah. cut out when i should cut in see and, and the performer in me was like don't ruin it beth like i want you to be generally surprised so when you, you bust up in those that was funny because like mm-hmm. you didn't expect that and so mm-hmm. and so that yeah the way i read it like you know the italicized words i'm stressing like i like the performance of it you know mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. i'm like shakespeare over here i'm sitting here, you know, <laughs> mainly i want to be shakespeare i don't know shit about shakespeare but i want to be shakespeare because i want to wear those tights those leggings and the big frilly thing around your neck yeah oh that it's You're very slimming it it's yeah. very slimming <laughs> Well, and, and I want like 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 a guy in the back with this what is it called the that like mandolin looking thing the lute the lute yeah a guy behind me in the lute just going dum, 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 playing the little like riffs <laughs> while I'm sitting there doing like my little dialogue you know like and then all of a sudden you know it, it's very like you know uh, old English and I'm just like fuck that shit and like dum, 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 and just like <laughs> there's a play, play me off Charlie <laughs> play me off Charlie. In the original Animaniacs series, not the new one that was just rebooted, yeah. they have they, they do a couple different ones where they'll pull out like William Shakespeare plays, like do an excerpt from a play, oh, yeah, but yeah. they have a little circle in the bottom with one of the Warners and they're translating oh, for like <laughs> what our... they're saying. It's like for like everyone else, including the actors, have no idea what they're saying. You know, so and so is here to translate. And it was Wacko, probably. Yeah. It was either Yakko or Dot. Oh, it wasn't even Wacko. Wacko, Wacko was, was in the scene, but see, Wacko was always like the the you know he he's the idiot, but he's very he's the one I remember. He played the piano, like mm-hmm. he had the gloves, and you know it's one of my favorite stories. He's very about, artistic. Yeah, he's very artistic. He's one of those like he's like me, like what I would consider like me, like this is how I describe myself. I'm an idiot savant, not so much of the savant. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like that's one of my favorite episodes because like his gloves, they go on an adventure. Oh yeah, and he's all sad because he doesn't have his gloves anymore. Yeah. Yeah, but they, but they come back because, you know, one of them wants to, like, break free and they end up almost dying. And the mm-hmm. other one, like, you know, like, oh, it's okay, buddy. Like, they they find their way home. All right, let's turn me up again. So that's it. Okay. okay. That's it for the episode. So, all right, guys. The, that was the, the Jive as the um, it's gonna, Masterpiece Theater with the Jive as Alien. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Master, and it's going to be in parentheses bait, but, like, like fish bait. Master bait. Oh, God. Peace Theater. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. I might have to block this out. Depending need on need some classical get... music playing right here. <laughs> Master, Masturbate <laughs> Peace Theater. Dun, 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 dun.
I do have the the. Um, I gotta get that Hugh Hefner, that Hugh Hefner robe, and then get like, the that. The smoking jacket. I have that nice chair too, that throne chair. Ah, oh, damn. You it. don't anymore. No, remember I got rid of it when I left the storage. Oh yeah, yeah. The, 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 the I remember that. The auctioneer guy took it. He did me a favor, like for like forty bucks, he took my polished shit that I had <laughs> that I had like taken out of the storages. Now, I didn't steal them. The people abandoned them from mm-hmm. for me. Uh, that's it. Yeah. Drive as alien. Uh, Tony Shaver, look me up. Blah blah blah. I got shit coming. Uh, of course, here with the the who? Beth the Supreme Deity. Yeah, we got to get back to Disney. We'll do that soon. Uh, so dust off your your Disney bins because it's going in the vault for the 80th time. If you know what I'm talking <laughs> about, then fuck your childhood. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, fuck your childhood. <laughs> All right, bye guys. Doodle.